Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. We have Western legend John Scott with us. Along the way, he's become a wrangler, animal trainer, stuntman, stunt coordinator. Lord of the Rings was quite a challenge for me. We uh, had 500 uh, horses and riders. I had to organize them kind of like a military army and get them to all work together. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? There's so much potential for young people to uh, come and work in the motion picture business. There's uh, nothing that I know of that creates more jobs than the the film business. And there's such a variety of jobs. And uh, it's long hours. We always budget roughly 72 hours a week for people to work in the industry. But you also get a lot of overtime. You make a pretty big paycheck. So what you work in six months is usually the take-home pay that takes other people a whole year to make. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me via Skype from Vancouver, Canada, is your co-host, Fred Keating. Now, I'm in a barn... Fred, why am I in a barn? You're in a barn, Marvin, but you're in good company, and I wish to heaven I was with you. We have Western legend John Scott with us. He was first and foremost a cowboy, born and bred on his granddad's homestead, where he continues to ranch today. But along the way, he's become a wrangler, animal trainer, stuntman, stunt coordinator, and purveyor of all sorts of animals and equipment and locations for filmmakers around the world, whether they come to film in North America or he goes to them. I'm proud to call him friend. I won't repeat some of the things he's called me over the years. But in fact, uh, you're the lucky one today, Marvin, barn or not, because you're right smack on the ranch with John Scott. John, thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Fred. Tell us, how did you get from where you were to where you got and now back on the ranch. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this business. Well, in the early days, uh, after I got out of school, I rodeoed a little bit, and some of the fellows that I rodeoed with uh, were Americans, and uh, they got hooked onto a picture called Little Big Man in 1969. They came up here to Alberta to do the winter sequences that fall. They got hold of me to put together some riders and some horses for the picture. We started on about $25 a day as a riding extra, and thought this was pretty great. Then uh, the American Wrangler bought a lot of horses out of uh, Billings, Montana and brought them up here, but they were pretty pretty rough horses. So I kind of camped on his horses eight hours a day, 10 hours a day to try and get them broke for him. And uh, he took a liking to me and then he got me moved up with the stunt guys. And uh, the old legend Hal Needham was the head uh, stunt coordinator on that along with Jerry Gatlin and some others. I got moved up to $100 a day, and I thought, boy, this is the deal. This is really, uh, you have fun, you're doing well, you like doing, you're getting very well paid. Now, what is it that you actually do on the uh, the movie scenes? On the movie scenes, we had about 250 riders, and they're always making charges coming down to raid the uh, Indian villages. First of all, I was coordinating a lot of those riders and put a lot of the riders together, and then I got uh, moved up with the stunt guys, like I say, so we'd be 
running through teepees and burning teepees and bulldogging the native boys and things like that. Just a lot of action stuff. John, I understand that westerns would be one of the genres that you work in, but you also work in some other genres like fantasy, and you've actually done Lord of the Rings. Tell us about this. Lord of the Rings was quite a, a, a challenge for me to go down there to New Zealand and uh, work with all their... Uh, people and horses they had there. We uh, had 500 uh, horses and riders. Had to organize them kind of like a military army and get them to all work together. And then a lot of our scenes were computer graphic to make 500 horses look like 4,000. And that was uh, the trick to that. It was a very exciting country, beautiful country to see, and uh, people are very laid back and very nice to get along with. Now, how do these people actually find you? What's the story behind this? They'd uh, done their homework and found guys that had done big pictures, especially big pictures with horses, and I was shortlisted down to four, and then I was one of the lucky guys to be picked out of the four. So that's how it all came about. The one I remember, John, when I thought it might have been your biggest one at the time was when you were head wrangler and stunt coordinator on that Japanese film. Can you tell us how you make 400 horses seem like 4,000 and how you make 500 riders seem like 2,500? Well, that particular picture was called Heaven and Earth and it was a Japanese uh, samurai war picture and that was actually one of the last large horse pictures done. We went through uh, close to 1,000 head of horses to get 750 in front of the camera. The costumes covered up everybody so we were able to use girls and guys and didn't matter what color their hair was uh, everybody was covered up so much that you could uh, use them in the, in the different capacities that was uh, the real deal with that many horses being photographed at once it was after that that was about 1990 it was after that that the computer graphics started to come in and you could use 400 to uh, look like uh, 4,000. And that's uh, done through computer graphics and what they call green screens and blue screens. And uh, it's the innovation of technology is really what it is. I understood that at one time you took all the riders in, let's say, call them the Blue Army, and had them charge down a hill, and then they all changed into the Red Army like the enemy guys and, and charged down another hill from a different angle. So it looked like two large armies coming together, even though it was it was the same number of riders. And you provided a lot of kids with uh, summer jobs that year. Yeah, that was a great year for all the kids in the community and, and the, the students that went to university. We had 3,000 foot soldiers, and most of them were university kids. And uh, like I say, we had up to 500 riders. And uh, it was a good summer for everybody. And uh, that particular day when we had all the Battle of the Armies, uh, that was an awful lot of work for the Wranglers. The uh, Wranglers had to keep switching horses and saddles for the different color of army. And we probably uh, saddled and resaddled uh, 2,000 head of horses that day. John, this really must take a big team. I guess you're the leader of the team, but this is more than a one-man job. This was a, a very big job, but I had some great, uh, great help, uh, great uh, commanders, I guess I'd say. No one person can do this job by themselves. You're only as good as the people you got around you. And so I ran like an army. We broke everything down into a group of 40. So there was a horse captain to look after the horses and see what they were doing. And there was a kind of a horse wrangler that sort of wrangler the uh, the riders. We had platoons. Then a platoon of 40 would get their wardrobe, and then they'd come to us and get their horses. And then they'd go down and stand behind a flag until we got all the people down there. And then we started moving around from there. And what did it take for you to pull off the Lord of the Rings? The Lord of the Rings was uh, a little bit different. Uh, I was on the second unit of the second show, but we uh, we still had 900 people on that unit is what they fed every day. It was a different group of people. It was uh, weekend trail riders and uh, joy riders and very few rodeo guys. I was trying to get the rodeo guys involved, but 
they'd already gone a different direction. So it was just hard getting the right horses and the right riders to make things work on that particular show. So in your job, it's not only a matter of getting the right animals together, you need to get the right people together too, right? You always have to have the right people together. You can have the greatest horse in the world, but if you don't have the right pilot on them, you might get nothing or that guy might fall off and then a loose horse is going to hurt somebody or they hurt themselves. Sometimes it takes a lot of these good cowboys. I like working with the rodeo cowboys because quite often they know how to get away from a horse as opposed to just staying on them because sometimes when a horse gets in trouble, it's a bit of a science to get away from, not get him hurt and not get you hurt. So the director really has high expectations of you and your team. Well, the director usually uh, usually get along with you and like what you're doing and, uh, and confide in your ideas if things are going well. If things are not going well, they can make life pretty miserable for you. And tell me, are the animals on set, and I know you've worked with more than just horses, but are the animals on set uh, any more or less difficult than some of the performers on them? The horses and the animals are usually a lot easier to work with than the people. <laughs> John, I'm looking at a list of some of your triumphs, and, and honestly, it's a, it's a list of classics here, from Unforgiven to Legends of the Fall, Shanghai Noon, The Assassination of Jesse James, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, and The Night at the Museum movies. These are incredible big screen titles, and you've been a part of all of them. I'm just very fortunate. I uh, was kind of the right place at the right time. What opened my eyes was the American Wranglers came up here for the winter scenes, and December the 10th, it was 85 above Fahrenheit, and everybody's in their shirt sleeves and uh, just enjoying a beautiful sunny day. They said, man, this will be the place in the future to make uh, Western pictures. There's no skyscrapers, there's no power poles, there's no telephone lines. You've got it all right here. And I looked and I thought, they really realize what we do have here in the way of scenery and wide open spaces. After I went to Hollywood there and, and learned uh, the business, after Little Big Man, they said, come down, we'll kind of show you the business. So I did, and I cleaned the manure out of the trucks and brushed their horses and fed their horses for nothing to get on sets of uh, Gunsmoke, alias Smith & Jones, and Big Valley in order to learn the business. And then I came back home here, and I had a lot of my grandfather's stuff because he farmed with horses till 1959. So I started putting an outfit together, and uh, that was how it all kind of got started. John, you really brought up a good point there in that you said that you actually went and you volunteered to get some experience, to get some understanding of the business. We hear that from a lot of our guests, that this is something that they should be doing just to get their foot in the door. What are your thoughts on that? I wanted so bad I was... Uh, it was a passion, I guess, with me. And I mean, I loved horses and everything. So what better way to go and learn something and, and learn from the best? I mean, I was around the best stunt guys in Hollywood and the best uh, wranglers and everything. And uh, even to be able to associate yourselves with those people and get on the sets, working for free was no big deal for me. John, when you talked about uh, learning the business and you talked about those American wranglers uh, describing southern Alberta there, I can't help but uh, want to ask you about your, the other hat that you often wear, and that is as an ambassador for the uh, Alberta film industry to the rest of the world. Tell us what some of the pivotal moments might have been when you were able to convince people either right on the property or, in fact, at a distance what a great place to produce outdoor films Alberta really is. Well, I'll give you an example. Legends of the Fall is one of my favorites. Uh, the director was Ed Swick, and he spent seven and a half years trying to put the picture together. I spent four and a half years with him, trying to convince him to do it in Alberta and, and help make the picture happen. He he'd got me the script when he was doing a picture here called Leaving Normal, and when I started reading the script, I couldn't put it down. It was the greatest thing I'd ever read. We tried putting it together, and the year before... 
it went together. We're going to go with Sean Connery, Mel Gibson, and uh, Tom Cruise as the boys. The studio shot us down, said that uh, Sean Connery wasn't bankable. So it was back to the drawing board, and uh, he brought in uh, Anthony Hopkins, Brad Pitt, and Aidan Quinn. And I brought in the native, Gordon Tatusis. And it was just a flashing green light. He says, what do you think we should do? I says, we got to go wherever we can, spend as much money as we can, as quick as we can. So we went to Vancouver, to Gastown, to rebuild the whole town in Gastown to make it look like Montana in uh, 1914, right? Or just before the First World War was going on. And they spent about $2 million there putting dirt on the streets, refinishing the buildings and things like that. And away it went, and that's how we got started. And then finally we got a green light because what they saw they liked. And John, speaking of World War One, you were also critical in terms of uh, the Canadian feature Passchendaele. And in addition to livestock, you were building and, and arranging and acquiring all sorts of period props, whether they were actual or, in fact, built to, uh, to serve the production. Tell us a little bit about the other kinds of equipment other than livestock that you bring to the pictures that you get involved in. Well, I, I uh, started a set decorating company. A lot of Americans would come in here and they'd buy all our antiques. At the end of the picture, they'd load them in semi-trailers and take them across the border, like three, four semi-trailer loads at a time. And I could see that we're going to be cleaned out of our antiques here if we didn't start preserving them. And then if we're cleaned out of antiques, they're going to have to be shipping them back up here to Alberta, and that's going to be a big cost. So I thought, why not start and collect some myself and try and preserve them and keep them here? And I put together a pretty large collection of uh, set decorating equipment, and uh, that has also helped to, uh, to make a Western picture. Anything connected with horses or Western-wise, I've pretty well got it here. And it's not only the, the props, so to speak, but I believe some films have actually been shot on your property and that you have some sets here as well. Is that true? We have three sets here on the ranch. Uh, one was built for a remake of The Virginian. Another one was built for a Tom Selleck picture called Monty Walsh. Another one was built for an NBC show, and it was... Uh, called The Legends of Butch and Sundance. So quite often we use these sets, and uh, they're a big help to a producer that he can have three sets on uh, on one quarter section with close proximity to each other and just jump from one to the other all in the same day. Well, John, you're a terrific example of somebody in show business who has as much on the business end as they do on the show. Uh, the, the fact that you've been able to create these companies that serve not only the region itself, but also the productions that you get involved in, especially when they're coming from overseas or across the border. That's the kind of thing we try and convince our listeners to get involved in, to look at not just the particular craft category that they believe is their favorite or the place they ought to be, but to diversify, if only to walk in somebody else's boots for a while and find out what the other craft categories on set need to be aware of and what their business is like. It does nothing but simply enrich and, I think, open up all sorts of opportunities for a career in film and television. Very astute observations, Fred. In fact, John, what advice would you have for our younger listeners as they consider a career in film, television, and the related industries? There's so much potential for young people to uh, come and work in the motion picture business. There's uh, nothing that I know of that creates more jobs than the, than the film business. And there's such a variety of jobs. And uh, it's long hours. We always budget roughly 72 hours a week for people to work in the industry. But you also get a lot of overtime. You make a pretty big paycheck. So what you work in six months is usually 
the take-home pay that it takes other people a whole year to, to uh, make. But the opportunities are unlimited. If you want to start as an assistant director, you can work your way up to being a director. In other areas, you can work your way up to being a producer. If you like cameras, the camera department is open for a lot of areas. Locations are another area that people that uh, have any idea at all about a location can go and learn how to be a location manager for the film business. Special effects is always interesting. That's a lot of welding, a lot of blow up, a lot of explosions, a lot of fire. Uh, a lot of special effects makeup. The opportunity is unlimited in those areas. If you've got a great set of ears and hear good, you could be a sound man. If you're pretty athletic and maybe you're a major skier, a horseback rider, a bucking horse rider, uh, just a gentle rider, you might want to go towards stunts. And, and there's, there's big uh, money in stunts and doing the, the stunt business right and the action sequences. And there's a lot of opportunity right there. There's uh, roughly 13 different departments, and then you can expand upon them. Now what has come on is the technology, and such as this computer graphics and uh, the different forms of, of things that go into that, making, like I say, 500 head of horses look like 5,000. So the opportunities are unlimited if you want to apply yourself, but you've got to realize that you've got to work long hours in order to get ahead. These are great thoughts, John. Fred, any uh, other thoughts before we wrap up? I do, but you know, I know we're, we're close to the end. I just want to share your appreciation, I'm sure, Marvin, with John for taking the time to chat with us. And frankly, I, I see some other arenas I'd love to get into, not the least of which is the various affiliations John has as a union member and uh, as a community leader in film and television communities. So I was hoping uh, to ask whether or not we could revisit sometime, John, and, and talk about and expand upon some of the ideas you've shared with us thus far. Yes, most definitely. I mean, uh, another future time, uh, I'd love to sit and visit with you and, and tell you about all the affiliations and where uh, people can go to work and uh, see what, what jurisdiction they work under to help them get ahead. Terrific, John. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity. <laughs>